the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Hello. How's everybody doing? See, you thought I was going to say good afternoon. I said, no, 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 I tricked you. Good afternoon, it's Tim DeMoss. See, I just fell right back into it. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for listening in. You've made a wise choice, I think. Forecast calling for a sunny rest of the afternoon. Breezy, chilly, 36 the high, down to 19 tonight. What's up with that? Cloudy, then tomorrow sunny, high 41. Sixers with a nice win yesterday in the afternoon. Ben Simmons, 34 points. They're at Toronto tomorrow. Flyers are home tonight against Pittsburgh at 7.30. And other numbers to throw at you briefly in our preborn partnership. We're up to 109 ultrasounds, which we've now crossed that century mark. Our goal, ultimately 400 at $28 a piece. If you want to help out at WFL.com or you can call 833-850-BABY. 833-850-2229. Thanks to folks who have Helped out every day, another step, a little more progress in that partnership. We'll share more about that. And I'm sure if you've been listening to the station, you know a bit about the uh, partnership we have going with Preborn. So, Danny, how you doing over there? I'm good. How are you? You look a little worn out. Yeah? I want to be honest. Maybe because it's Tuesday. Well. Also, I had an incredible workout yesterday, and, and I am hurting. You're feeling it. Yeah. I'm hurting just looking at you. Okay. I must really be hurting you then. I'm really hurting. You're getting back into a routine? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Even hurts to sit. My wow. squads are on fire. <laughs> I know what that's like. I just started working out a couple weeks ago, but I haven't worked out for about a week and a half. That Ooh. means I went twice, if you do the math. All right. Get back into it. Tim. I'm hoping to. We can motivate each other. That'll be inspiring. Right. So do you like to run? Do you like to... I like the elliptical a lot, and I like to run, but my main thing right now is doing weights and going to spin class. Wow. Spin class sounds... Spin class is intense. Dizzying. (laughs) Seriously. Soul cycle. That's what it is. Okay. Well, I just like to get on the treadmill and watch ESPN in front of me while I, you know, put my 30 minutes in. What kind of music do you like to listen to? While you work out? You would think that a DJ like myself would have created a playlist for myself, but I just... That last piece, that last step I haven't done yet, but no? I hope to. You don't have any pump-up anthems or anything? You know, it's a good intention. It's one of those projects I want to sit down and do a ramp-up and a ramp-down, and I haven't done it yet. Mm. So, no, I don't have anything I listen to in particular, not lately. But I have lots to choose from because I've been collecting music for years and years, business-wise. So yeah. I'll get to it. All right. Do you have stuff you like to... Thank you for asking. Yeah. See, that was a setup question. That was one of the you asked, not because you care what I am doing. You wanted me to ask you. No. I I like to listen to Hamilton, the really? Broadway soundtrack. Yeah. 
It's a it's it's Is it rap. Like that? It's rap and hip hop, but it's also very empowering to just hear about the founding fathers and the wow. fight for independence and liberty and our freedoms. It's very empowering. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to hear a random story now that you brought up Hamilton? Of course. Well, I've never seen the show. I've heard a lot I'm about it. I'm obsessed with yeah, Hamilton. Yeah. Well, so I had a friend who uh, he he had tickets to Hamilton in New York. And he realized that when he bought them, um, I think he had already planned a, an anniversary trip with his wife. They're like in you know their forty year anniversary cruise. Mm-hmm. They went together on this cruise. Then Hamilton came one way or the other. He had tickets and he couldn't go, so he gave them to his kids. Okay, well, his kids showed up, and uh, they're all excited. They're talking about it for weeks. They show up and they get to the door, and they're told. Really sorry to tell you this, but this was for the matinee. <gasps> no. <laughs> they went at night thinking that they could get in. I like, would cry on the spot. Yeah. Well, the short version is somebody in the cast got wind of this somehow. Yeah. And they actually wound up walking around backstage. <gasps> they got to see the whole thing. And then they put what? like two folding chairs down front. Wow. So there weren't any more seats, but they made two seats because of what had happened. I'm wearing a sweater, but I just got chilled. Yeah, see, there you are. Well, Wow. Further proof, we never know where this program's going to go. Actually, that's not true. We have a special guest coming up. His name is Jason Meyer. He's written a book called Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul. And uh, we're going to give copies away of that like we like to do. And they even have a little treat at the end. And while I'm at it, uh, tomorrow, a quick note. We have a special guest. You ever hear of the Dave Clark Five, Danny? Yeah. They're kind of like the, the – they were they were the Beatles before the Beatles were That's the Beatles. That's what you told me last night. Yeah. So looking forward to having a, a, the Dave Clark, the founding member of the band, on the program. They were on the Ed Sullivan Show back in the day. Yeah. So anyhow, this program, for those who are new to it, like, what? You're all over the place. Yeah, in a good way because I, uh, you know, I, I think people are fascinating and um, – I'll tell you some stories. I haven't shared many of these before, but on a related note, I didn't, you know, I've said, I've said this a little bit before, but I've done a lot of Lyft driving and, and Uber driving. I did for a season. That was like fascinating. It was just all kinds of people, all walks of life. And, uh, you know, you're getting people from point A to point B. That's what you're being paid to do. But as a Christian, I, I, I was up for a good conversation if somebody wanted to chat. And some of those conversations were just, um, Really interesting. I had a couple. I'll tell you one right now, but then we'll take a quick break and we'll bring our guest on. Um, I had a couple guys. They were in their twenties, get in the car, and uh, one guy's on his phone and he's arguing with presumably his girlfriend or wife. And um, after a few minutes, he hangs up and he says to me, uh, "How old are you?" I, at the time, I was forty-eight. So he says, "You married?" Yeah. You know, how long have you been married? You know, 20 years, whatever it was. Do you think that you need to cheat on your wife to keep things going? That's what he asked me. Okay, keep in mind, when you drive for, for Lyft or Uber, there's some ins and outs of this. You can, you only know, you, you, there's, one of the things you know is how, how far you're going to go. Before you get your ride, you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know where you're going, which is another story for another day. But this was going to be a seven-minute ride. So it was not exactly a lot of opportunity to talk for a long time or get into things. And um, his situation was he was 26 or something. 
married and already had three young kids. So what he was thinking is, I think, is I'm already married. I already have kids and I'm only 26. Like now what? Like, I'm, you know, if I live another 50 years, what am I going to do or something? So a lot of times I say a quick prayer in my mind before saying anything. Um, and these situations pop up fairly often, actually. And I said, well, freedom is not doing anything you want. Freedom is doing what you're supposed to do. And he goes, ooh, that's good. <laughs> it was really funny. You know, and we didn't get into, I didn't say the Bible says this. I wasn't heavy handed about it. I just, I guess in the moment, God gave me something I think that was appropriate to say. And I say it to myself as well. Now you can trace that to different scripture verses and all that, but you can think that freedom is about doing whatever you want to do. And it really isn't. Uh, you know, there are boundaries and there are rules and, and they're for a reason. So in any case, without getting all that, uh, that was it. And, you know, dropped him off the destination and, um, you know, said a prayer for the, for that young man. And that's a big thing. You get these intersections of life for seven minutes. So when we have, opportunities like having Dave Clark from the Dave Clark five on tomorrow. Well, they have a new album out, like the greatest hits. Uh, we'll talk about that for five or 10 minutes. And, you know, we'll have an author on here in a couple of moments, Jason Meyer, who is a Christian man don't lose heart is the book again, gospel hope for the discouraged soul. You know, so we'll have all these different people, but all kind of under the umbrella of that one verse I, I bring up every now and again, which is just so important. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so to that end, I, I love the fact that this program, any given day, may have people who do profess to believe in Christ, others who don't. Um, but that's kind of like life is. I hope it is. I hope that if you're a Christian listening in, you don't keep yourself to the side of the road and uh, that you do have opportunities to share life and love people in general. Just love people as God gives you the opportunity. And uh, sometimes that'll be louder than anything that comes out of your mouth. Uh, but then on, on the other hand, there are times that you do have those opportunities to speak more candidly and just be available, you know, to love people as, the, as they're ready to be loved. You don't view people as projects. You just are available in life and then God will bring opportunities your way. So that said, we'll go to a quick break. Uh, Jason Meyer, the author of this book, Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul, is going to join us in a couple of moments. Um, we're going to also give copies away like we like to do. And if you want to win a copy at any point in the hour, just send a quick text in with your first and last name and uh, the name uh, or the word heart will be good enough. That's in the book title there. And then we'll draw some winners over the course of the hour. The text line is 610-500-DOVE. 610-500-3683. If email is easier, that's fine. Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D at WFIL.com. Back with more in just a moment on WFIL. Thanks for listening today. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. 415, The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for listening in. Don't forget you can catch podcasts of our program anytime you like at WFIL.com. Absolutely free. We bring in uh, now our guest, Jason Meyer. The book is called Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope. For the discouraged soul. Hey there, Jason. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. Great to talk to you. You too. Well, it's nice to make your acquaintance. And uh, you're based in Minneapolis, is that right, or Minnesota? Minneapolis. Okay. Right. Yeah. 
the book Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul. I love the, the title and the nature of it and the perspective also that you bring to it. And I uh, thought we could start off just for a second, just for you, when did the germ of this start and, and what was the path from when you first started thinking about it to actually putting this together? Yeah, this uh, book kind of originated as a series of sermons throughout about a year in which consistently um, this theme and this topic in sermons got the biggest response from our people. And I just realized as a pastor what a, what a common plague this is that everybody deals with. And really, uh, I feel like the Lord kind of brought the chapters together, and you know, even my wife and I just going through an adoption and parenting children with trauma in their background. It's like sometimes we felt like we had to do an army crawl through the message of this book. Mm. So it's, it's been really formative for us. Part one's how to fight for sight. Part two, how to defeat despair. I mean, we can break it down a little bit as we go, but right out of the chute, there's a, a great story, a true story from Second Kings, I guess chapter six. Maybe you could set things up for our chat by uh, recapping that a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's such a strange story. Elisha and Elisha's servant find themselves surrounded by the Syrian army, one of the greatest armies in the ancient world. And there's literally here an army of reasons to lose heart. And so Elisha's servant says, what shall we do? And Elisha prays that his servant's eyes would be opened. And his eyes are opened to see the hills having these flaming chariots and heavenly army. And then Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are for us are more than those who are against us. And as I reflected and meditated on that, I just realized that dynamics of despair and discouragement are perfectly on display there. Because even though we don't wake up in the morning and discover that we're under siege by some foreign army, we do find ourselves daily confronted by problems that are overwhelming, and our response is always, what, what do we do? And we have to realize that the reasons to lose heart are real. They're not made up. It's not like a fake fruit basket. All you have to do to be able to see these discouraging things is, is have a pulse, because they're so obvious. C.S. Lewis said that's what happens sometimes in the morning, like all your problems rush at you like wild animals. And so in discouragement, what we do is we're just aware of all the difficulties around us, and we feel overwhelmed when we say, what shall we do? But the, the, the genius of the Bible is that it doesn't deny that there are reasons to lose heart. It just says that the reasons to take heart are always greater, because... We defeat discouragement when we don't buy the lie that our problems are actually bigger than our God. We lose heart when we lose sight of all that we have in Christ. Jason Myers, our guest. The book's called Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul. Quick break. We'll come back, continue our chat. If you want to win a copy, send a text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683, or... Uh, Email timmyd, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at WFIL.com. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for tuning in to The Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
It's 423 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Once again, if you want to win a copy of Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul, send a quick text to 610-500-DOVE. We'll put you in the mix, 610-500-3683. Just your first and last name and the word heart will get you in there. Or if you want to email Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D at WFIL.com. Jason Meyer is our guest. He is uh, author of the book, Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul. And uh, it, to your point, uh, you, you mentioned in the book, you know, it doesn't take faith to become discouraged. It's not hard to find reasons to be discouraged or potentially discouraged. And and what you were just saying that John 16, 33, right? In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world in the words of Christ. So maybe it's elementary, but it's really super important to remember, don't, you know, don't be discouraged that there are things things that could be discouraging, just like struggling with sin doesn't mean you have to actually run with it, you know, it's just because it's there. And having that greater vision is so important. In fact, when I was reading through, there's a part where you mentioned that the book is both theological and practical, but that the chapters begin with a picture of God and then uh, how that vision affects the, the practical details rather than start with a problem and bring God into the equation. That's so important in my experience because the reasons to to lose heart are obvious, they're easy to see. The reasons to take heart are harder to see. They're greater, but they're harder to see because we see them by faith. We walk not by sight, but by faith. And so in these pictures of God that we have in the Bible, faith needs to see those things and take hold of them. For example, in Isaiah 40, God just pulls out all the stops for his discouraged, despairing people who are under the thumb of the Assyrian Empire, and they're saying, how are, how are we ever going to defeat them? Or this, in this case, it was the Babylonians. And in Isaiah 40, God gives them these God-sized images of himself to say, if they compare themselves to the Babylonians, of course, they don't have enough. But when they actually turn their sights to the one that's for them, and how much greater he is, that's when they'll be comforted. So in Isaiah forty twelve, he says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Yeah. And sometimes we read the Bible just with, you know, the, a, a boring mind is the birthplace of really uh, discouraged hearts. So one, one of the things I did was try to put that in perspective. I tried to say, how much water can I put? in the hollow of my hand. So I did an experiment, and I found out I can only hold about a teaspoon of water. I started with a tablespoon, and just water got all over the floor, and then I did subsequent tests over the sink, and just realizing how limited I am. And then seeing God say, I hold all the waters in the hollow of my hand, which I just did a little research on that. turns out if we measure all the water in the world, it's 332.5 million cubic miles of water. And one cubic mile of water is 1.1 trillion gallons. So, I mean, when you try to multiply that by each other, 332.5 million times 1.1 trillion, it's, it's one of those things that the calculator just has a big E on it. It can't compute. Yeah. And to understand in that image, God is saying to us, look how much greater I am than all that is against you. And I remember preaching that sermon, and there was a family 
that was visiting our church, their their only child was having life-threatening uh, surgery that they, they, they had to take, and it was so discouraging for them, and that image of God was their lifeline, so that from that point on, whenever they got discouraged, they just had a gesture to each other. They would hold out their outstretched hand to remember how much greater their God was than their problem and what they were going through. So we, we just need these things all the time because we constantly kind of blow up how big our problems are, and we often shrink our God down to size, and sometimes we need to resize the situation so that faith can lay hold of the promises of God. Jason Meyer, our guest, is author of the book Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul, also pastor for Preaching and Vision at Bethlehem Baptist Church in uh, Minneapolis. I guess that vision part of your title is certainly appropriate because it's a key part of this book, having that vision that's bigger and, and steps away from the uh, the obvious and maybe to the less obvious of who God is and his power. So, you know, as you're speaking there, my wife and I have five children, and one of them is disabled. Her name is Victoria. And um, she's 13, but she's had a lot of challenges since she was born. And when our kids were younger, I remember saying, take your fingers and make glasses and kind of you flip your hands up on your face. And um, I can't ever do it. I would poke myself in the eye. But they, <laughs> but my my point to them, and I said, let's so we're at the breakfast table. I said, just everybody look at Tori. And at the time, she was about two years old. And I said, I want you to say something about God that you know is true. And, uh, but look at Tori when you're saying it through your handmade glasses. And so if God is faithful, uh, God knows my name, all the hairs on my head are, are numbered. Mm-hmm. And as we did that, it's vastly different. It stood out that the lens we were looking at Tori was through God's truth, very different than having Tori being the starting point, all of her challenges, all of the problems and then bringing God into the mix to try to make sense out of it. Or even in life, having God on the left and the problems on the right and looking left and right and trying to merge them and not to be legalistic about like, if you struggle with it, okay, that's fine. But, but my encouragement was like to myself and even to this day, look through the truth of who God is at whatever I'm looking at rather than the starting point being the problem, right? I mean, it's kind of what you're talking about. That's this. right. That's right. So often I think, Christians understandably want a vision from God instead of actually asking for a vision of God, not realizing that, like C.S. Lewis said, if you look at an action and the object that causes the action, depending on where you look is the result you're going to get. Mm. So if you read in the Bible that you're supposed to fear God, or you're supposed to love God, or things like that. So many people just focus on the action, and and all they have is willpower, which is really weak. Like, I should love, I should fear, I should whatever. Hmm. But Lewis said, if you look at the object that causes the action, you actually get both of them. So if you have a command like, be afraid, fear, well, how are you going to do that? You can't just call it to mind, I'm going to be afraid now. If you look at a snake that causes fear, fear is going to follow. In the same way, if you want to hope, what the Bible says is look at the God of hope. That's the thing that's going to cause faith to rise. That's what's going to cause hope 
to grow strong. So it's really important for us to know the God that's for us and to, to mine Scripture for these images and to feel like our daily devotions, therefore, don't become a matter of achievement, like where we pat ourselves on the back, here's what I did, but a matter of survival, a matter of desperation. If I don't get a vision of God that's greater than my problems today, I am a sitting duck. Jason Meyer, our guest. The book's called Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul. If you'd like to win a copy, we're handing them out throughout the program via text and email. 610-500-DOVES, our number, 610 500 3683. Email Timmy D, T I M M Y D, at WFIL.com. We'll draw our winner after the break and we'll continue from there in our conversation with Jason Meyer. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in today. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons, 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 435 on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app as well. We can download that app free from WFIL.com. We'll check the uh, forecast for you here for a moment. Sunny, 36 the high the rest of the day. Cloudy at night, though. Uh, 19 for the low. I'm tired. Sunny tomorrow. High 41. Sixers won yesterday, 117-111. Ben Simmons, 34 points. They're at Toronto tomorrow night. Flyers home tonight against Pittsburgh at 7.30. Our pre-born partnership continues as well. We have just crossed the 100 ultrasound mark. The goal is 400. We're getting there. About a third of the way there. Not quite. Maybe 30%, something like that. Want to help out? 833-850-BABY is the number. 833-850-BABY. Or you can help out at WFIL.com. We uh, will continue our chat with Jason Meyer of the book Don't Lose Heart in a second, but we've been asking folks if you want to win a copy of the book, you can text in. Danny, you're drawing in from the texts that have come in, and you have a winner at the moment. We'll make more, but... I do. Our initial winner is... Dina from Norristown. High fives, congratulations, pats in the back, pokes in the eye, stuff like that. All for Dina. Way to go, Dina. We're proud of you. We're happy for you. We'll get the book out to you soon, probably tomorrow. And uh, we'll make more winners before the hour is through. If you want to jump in on that, again, 610-500-DOVE. Text in your first and last name and the word heart. Or you can email Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at WFIL.com. Jason Myers, our guest. Don't Lose Heart is the book. And parts one and two, one is how to fight for sight we're talking about. Part two, how to defeat despair. On that fighting for sight thing, because I think it's so important, it really sets the stage for everything else. You mentioned that water experiment. Uh, also, I think in that chapter was the John Piper quote regarding the comet, which uh, whose name which mm-hmm. name I can't pronounce. But um, can you just share for that for a second? Then I have a quick question regarding that comet and the whole thing. Yeah. So uh, John Piper is giving an example of a comet, and if we look at a comet from a distance, you just you're not very impressed because it's so far away. But it really needs to be brought into focus. And if you bring it into focus and you show that what looks like a smudgy softball is actually 30,000 miles across, Mm. which is four times the size of the Earth, then you're going to be amazed. If you look at the tail and see that what from, from just the naked eye a long way away looks like 
just a, a cloudy trail of light. And then you realize, no, that's actually 6 million miles long. Suddenly, yeah. you, come into, you come to grips and you're confronted with how glorious and great that is. And in the same way, when we say we're called to magnify the Lord, we're not called to magnify like a microscope in which you make something really small and blow it up so it looks bigger than it is. It's, a, it's a, like a telescope where you bring something that might seem small because of distance, you bring it into focus so that you can see more of what it really is. And that's what we do when Christians are called to magnify the Lord, to bring Him into focus so that we're confronted and then comforted with the reality of how great He is. Well, in conjunction with that comment, Hayatuke, being so huge, uh, obviously, unless you have that, that telescope, you're not going to be able to see it for what it is or even get catch a glimpse of it. There may be some earthly examples where you maybe if you've been to the Grand Canyon or something that takes your breath away, like, whoa, or a beautiful, even a beautiful skyline, and one you know, God's doing all these colors and things can catch you for a little bit. Um, but I, my question has to do with, because catching a vision is, is so important of who God is, um, part one, I guess, is remembering, just remembering what you said. Don't separate, you know, fear God or love God or whatever. Don't separate the action from the person, really, who you're after. Make God the emphasis, if anything else. But is part of having a vision or describe a little bit, just practically speaking, because your book talks about wanting to be not just theological and practical, like what, what is involved in catching that vision um, going beyond even kind of off the top of my head? Yeah, I know God's big. I know he's strong. And yeah, and then you, you, you dwell on it for a little bit or maybe you have a good worship song, but then still it fades away quickly because there's stuff ready to you know swoop in. So like, what's involved mm-hmm. or even a practical example of whether it's, you know, if you're a study of study of science or something and you and you start to see more wonders visually or the, what what goes into something like that that would help people maybe get a bigger glimpse of who God is. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic question. So one of the examples I give in the book just how practical the Bible is. Uh I remember that when I was preparing to go on a trip to Ethiopia, we we do very good at kind of forecasting our problems looking into the future and saying, what is it going to be like? What could I face? And I read in Ethiopia, there's not a lot of violent crime, but there's a lot of pickpockets. And so then immediately I start making up scenarios to try to deal with what might come in the future. So I think, well, I'm going to wear these special pair of pants that have zippers on the side. When I'm carrying money, then I'll just I'll put some money in one pocket and some in the other, so I'm not going to get bumped and have somebody steal my wallet out of my back pocket, and suddenly I realize, wait a minute, am I putting hope in a pair of pants that I'm going to wear? And then I, it was so powerful for me to read Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where it says, don't be anxious for anything, which sounds like an impossible command, until you keep reading and it says, but with supplication... With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And those two things really began to hit home to me, because I realized what worry is, is you have these cares, right? And you, because you care about something, you find that it's coming up like, like heartburn, like an overactive bladder, like... Yeah. Our anxiety is just 
coming to the surface constantly, and then, because our heart cares about it, then our mind gets involved and starts trying to solve it. Because I care about this, what am I going to do about it if this happens? And suddenly we make up all these scenarios without realizing I can't hope in my solution that I could come up with that's going to be smart enough, great enough in order to conquer all of these future problems. Like, no, I'm called to rest in the fact that God knows the future. I'm called to rest in the fact that I'm not supposed to borrow trouble from tomorrow because I'm, I'm going to have to try to take this trouble that I'm borrowing from tomorrow and try to pay for it with today's grace. And of course, there's never enough. But the promise is that with the new morning will come tomorrow's grace. So Lamentations 3.23, we call this to mind, and therefore we have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. So suddenly there, laying in bed, I I stop hoping in pants and start (laughs) hoping in God and saying, I don't know everything that's coming But I know that God is at work, I know that God has a plan, and I know that when that moment comes, God will be with me. So it's not wrong to have horses and chariots, for example, or have that pair of pants. What's wrong is to trust in it, to hope in it. So those moment by moment, those reminders that God is for us and that His mercy is going to be there makes all the difference. Jason Myers, our guest, we're hanging out this afternoon chatting about his book, Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul. Discouraged? Everybody gets discouraged every now and again. Keep listening as we uh, wrap up our chat here in our final segment in a moment. And if you want to win a copy of the book, Don't Lose Heart, send a quick text in, 610-500-DOVE. We'd glad to put you in the mix. We'll do a drawing after the break here and probably one more before the hour's through. 610 500 3683. Just your first and last name and the word heart. Keep it nice and simple. Or if you want to send a quick email, if that's your MO for communication, T I M M Y D at WFIL.com. Timmy D at WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in. Back with more in a moment on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss show on AM 560 WFIL? Email Timmy D at WFIL.com. It's 447 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for listening in today. Chat with Jason Meyer, author of the book, Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul. We'll keep our chat going in a second. But first, we've been talking throughout the hour about giving away copies from our text and email lines and all that. Uh, Danny, we go back to the text line. Who do we have as a winner? Our we next have one. Linda from Warrington. All right, Linda, way to go. Congratulations. We'll mail that book out to you tomorrow. And if you want to get in the mix... We'll do another drawing or two at the back end of our chat here with uh, Jason. The number to get in, 610-500-DOVE. 610-500-3683. Just your first and last name and the word heart. And we'll keep it simple that way. Or you can email Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D, WFIL.com. Jason Meyer, kind enough to hang out with us for a little bit. Author of Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul. Part one, How to Fight for Sight. And part two, how to defeat despair. Maybe just spend a little bit of time on that for a moment. The uh, the fact that one part of it talks about what to do when your past paralyzes you. Um, so now you have this vision, but there, there are things that have happened in your life in the past. It could be something that you did, 
maybe a sin you still struggle with or did at one time. Um, there are other parts in there when the present disappoints you or when the future scares you. So I don't know if you want to pick one aspect of that, that, that you know, to focus on, let folks get a little flavor of what the book's about. Yeah, just in my own pastoral counseling, what I find is that people run into all kinds of despair. And one of the biggest is just being paralyzed by guilt. So memory is a great gift from God. We can actually replay things that we've experienced that are really pleasurable and really encourage us, but it can also become like a twisted time machine in which we go back to our failures and we relive them and we press rewind and see it again and experience the shame all over again. We're actually The problem isn't that we look back or that we go back. The problem is that we don't go all the way back to the cross where that sin or that failure was paid, was nailed to the cross. So the Apostle Paul could could look back and see, I was the chief of sinners. But he said, for this reason I received mercy, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience to everyone who's going to believe in him for eternal life. And he ends with praise to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be blessing and honor forever and ever. So that backward glance isn't meant to end in despair and shame, but by taking it all the way back to the cross and seeing, seeing it nailed there, we end up praising our Savior, not wallowing in our shame. Hmm. And so yet- it's really important to deal with our past guilt that way. And soul. He is he's sold out in love for his children. And mm. that that kind of vision of God is is going to do so much to give us steel in our soul so that we realize that there might be unreached people groups out there that need to be reached with the gospel, but there are also unreached places in our hearts that need to be reached with that same gospel. Jason Meyer, author of Don't Lose Heart, Gospel, Hope for the Discouraged Soul. Uh, and maybe that brings us full circle because in general, the topic of encouragement, in my mind, I, I, I think of it, it's free, <laughs> so everyone can afford it. And uh, <laughs> it goes a long way, uh, whether it's a simple, kind word or something deeper and wider. And in the case of your book, as you wrote, I think, near the beginning, the Christian life is a fight for sight. If all we see is what's against us, the shackles of discouragement will keep us confined to a prison of despair. When we see the one who is for us is greater than all that, uh, our chains fall off and our hearts will be free to hope again. And then um, a little later on, you say encouragement does not come from wishful thinking, but from seeing the totality of truth and embracing what is truly real. So just to clarify, as we're talking here, you're not just saying, hey, uh, this is a book on this is a pep talk. This isn't 10 tips to help yourself feel better about life. It really has to be rooted in, well, why would you have encouragement in your life? And why would it be something that takes root and lasts as opposed to something that lasts as long as you eat a bowl of ice cream and then you're sad again? Absolutely. And think about this. I just read a statistic that the average smartphone user touches their phone about 2,500 times a day. Wow. So that, that's about... Uh, two times per minute, which is amazing to me. And that's just the average cell phone user. The the top cell phone users are much, much more than that. 
the problem that I see is what happens is if if Christians in the past said the battle for discouragement is so great that it means for every one look at yourself, you better take ten looks at Jesus. My problem with the proportion now is that for every one look at Jesus, we're taking about 2,500 looks at something else. And therefore, if, if we want to stay encouraged, we need to keep Jesus in our sight, clear sight lines of our Savior. Mm. I, I close the book with what I think is my greatest daily reminder. Um, and, and I used, actually, the, the Vikings as an analogy because I saw U.S. Bank Stadium being built. Um, and what was amazing about it is they start with just this big hole in the ground. I couldn't believe how deep they had to dig this hole to build this stadium. And at one point, one of my colleagues said, hey, how does everybody like the stadium? And everyone laughed because it was just a big hole in the ground. But then he said, that's right. You can't judge the stadium right now because they're not done. If they were done, you'd have some serious questions for the architect. Mm. But in the same way, what we see is that God's not done. So you can look at whatever's going on in your life and, and see that it's discouraging, things haven't worked the way you thought they would, and before you decide to judge the architect of the universe, realize he's not done yet. And when you read the Bible, you see that theme again and again and again. God wasn't done. When Joseph was in prison, Jeremiah was in the pit, Jonah was in the fish, wasn't done when Daniel was in the lion's den, or Pharaoh was oppressing Israelites, or Herod was killing infants, or Saul was persecuting Christians. It wasn't done when Noah built an ark, or David took a census, or Goliath taunted the armies of Israel, or Jezebel killed the prophets of Israel, or the Babylonians destroyed the temple of Israel, and he certainly wasn't done when Jesus was being scorned and persecuted and flogged and crucified, and then we have the empty tomb. And in the same way, what we know as Christians is that God's not done. So don't lose heart. Take heart, because you know, whatever you're going through, we have the everlasting promise that God's not done. Amen. Those are great reminders, Jason. It's really a pleasure to talk to you and un- unpack the book a bit with you. Thank you for, for doing that and for writing it, too. Oh, what a great joy. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, God bless you. And one last thing, just uh, related, something you're not discouraged about, I know, is your wife. And uh, it's clear in the PR materials I received that you were very excited that you have been married to her. And uh, I think it's always wonderful when a a husband especially uh, brags on his wife in the right way, so to speak. Um, Can you share a little bit about about that and just God's gift that he's blessed you with to help you along as well with the ministry that you do? You know, um, it it was such an amazing story because I once thought when I was single that I must be called to stay single because uh, one relationship that I had, I just didn't feel God-honoring, not because we were sinning, but because it just felt like this person divided my heart from God. And so I didn't feel like my allegiance could be fully to Him. It just felt divided. And so I just thought, well, relationships must be like that. But then I met her, and I call her my Ephesians 3.20 gift, because God gave me exceedingly immeasurably more than I asked for or imagined. Mm. What I found with her is that she makes me love God more. 
it's like that picture I gave early on in the book where we're not running this race, this marathon called the Christian life alone. We're locking arms, enduring together, and shared joys become double joys, and shared sorrows actually are sorrows cut in half. So it's, mm. it's just an amazing gift to be able to walk with my wife. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you for, for adding that little cherry on the Sunday. Or per, perhaps it's the yeah. banana underneath the whipped cream. I mean, there's a lot of... There, there it is. There's there a lot there. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Have a wonderful rest of your day, Jason. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. God bless you. And hopefully we'll get a chance to meet up sometime. It'd be great to meet you. I'd like that. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. All right, Jason Meyer, author of Don't Lose Heart, Gospel Hope for the Discouraged Soul. We've given some copies away this hour. Let's do one more. We throw it back. To Danny, looking on the text line for another winner, perhaps. And we have Karen from Philadelphia. All right, Karen, nice job by you. Way to text in those 10 whole numbers, 610-500-DOVE. That's our text line. Put that down somewhere. And don't forget, when you enter contests through the text line or through email, we keep your entries on file. So even if you don't win today, your entry still counts for something. We may say tomorrow, just spend five or 10 minutes going through the text line and grabbing people's names out and mailing random prizes out. So could be today, could be tomorrow, could be next week, could be a year from now, something you enter today bears fruit later on. So it's a, it's our hat of perpetual winning, we call it, the HIPWA or whatever that spells. 610-500-DOVE, have that handy, 610-500-3683. We're just about done for the uh, day. The show, based on encouragement we are talking about, Here's the simple one for you. Proverbs 12, 25. Something to consider. An anxious heart weighs man down, but a kind word cheers him up. That's one of many verses in the Bible that you can think about with regard to encouragement. We'll chat about that more in the next day or two. In the meantime, Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, leads a prayer next. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to WFIL today. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.